At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. The following podcast contains explicit language. If you want to put them on and do a quick mic check. Yeah, mic check one, two. My mic's off. Yo, give me some more sound. Yeah, yeah, turn it up in the headphones. <laughs> That's what's good. That's what's good. Hello, Hello mic check. Good? Nope, I can't. Oh, there it oh, is. There. Right. This is Burnt Toast, a podcast from Food 52 about what doesn't necessarily make it on the website. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. Come rewind. How do you want to be introduced? Lord of the Galaxy. Lord of the Galaxy. Dale Taldy, Lord of the Galaxy. Top Chef. Man of the Hour. Lord Supreme. Everyone's favorite chubby dolphin. <laughs> so in my circles, because I am completely hairless, I'm the, I'm the fat dolphin. <laughs> I'm mad aerodynamic, kind of lazy. <laughs> it's a good mix. So I'm buoyant, really buoyant. Uh-huh. I am like really dynamic in the water, mm-hmm. but slightly lazy. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to work all that into a bio, like just in case Lord Supreme doesn't mean much to you, I'll clarify. You just heard Dale Tolday, chef, former Top Chef contestant, and author of the recent cookbook Asian American, proudly inauthentic recipes from the Philippines to Brooklyn, a seemingly irreverent, ballsy look at the food he cooks. It's all loud colors and shocking images and remixed pad thai. In this episode, you'll also hear from J.J. Good, his co-author for this book, as well as many other cookbooks we love. No, it's about the food that I do. To be honest with you, I mean, it's like, uh, it's a little bit about, I guess, the story of a immigrant kid, you know, Filipino immigrants, you know, second generation Americans, you know, the culture that's coming from, you know, these second generation kids who have strong roots at home in, say, the Philippines or in China or Korea or Japan or wherever they're from. Mexico could be anywhere, but are kind of thrown into American society. And I mean, it's a very common story. I just know, I just, I feel like nowadays it's because of my age, it's the story's being told now. You know, I think I found cultural identity through food. And I think that's kind of the story that we're writing a little bit. Yeah. And I think the way that you tell it together and also the way you choose to display it is is very different. The idea of inauthenticity, I think, is a really big, is a really key point in your book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like all of your recipes are totally remixed. We, we were able to hook people in with, by saying that we were proudly inauthentic. But that inauthenticness is real to me, is, is my story, my voice, my food. I'm, you know, I was raised Filipino back at, you know, at home. So it's like, you know, you're almost completely immersed in Filipino culture. Not to the extent of like watching Filipino TV, but some Filipino TV. Also Thundercats. Thundercats, yeah. You mix that in. It's, uh, 85 <laughs> Chicago Bears. Yeah. <laughs> and then like my dad's, his love for watching cockfighting. So it's your authenticity. It is, of. because then, like, at home it was Filipino. You ate Filipino food. No one ever wore their shoes inside the house. You always got to take your shoes off. You know, once I left home and I was, like, at the mall eating cheese fries and, you know, 
at the arcade where we would play video games, it was cheese fries and hot dogs and gyros and burgers. And at school, I say, I would talk about all the time. It's square pizzas and tater tots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the, you know, even before the party cut, I got introduced to the party cut in Chicago. It was like, okay, these are square pizzas that you eat on pizza day at lunch, and you got a handful of tater tots and. You know, you're always like, come on, lunch lady, give me a couple more tater tots. <laughs> and the dudes who really were able to swindle were, uh, they would they would ask for two pizzas, but we don't want a second plate, just put it on top of the other one. <laughs> so the lady that rang you up wouldn't see the second one. Ah, uh, oh, well smart. Done. Yeah, it was See, here, I, I was thinking you were making like a pizza sandwich. You would do that. I would, it's definitely, I mean, boom. <laughs> so next, next book, book, bro. Pizza next, sandwiches. Next book, bro. <laughs> boom. <laughs> so you're telling me that your subtitle is like clickbait. It's really authentic. Oh, yeah. Yes, it 100% is authentic. It's authentic to me. Yeah. We wanted to kind of play with the idea of what authenticity is because, of course, you know, you talk about authenticity in, let's say, you go to a Filipino restaurant, right? It's authentic Filipino food. Let's say you say, oh, you tell your friends, oh, it's real, real authentic Filipino food. What does that really mean? Before the Spanish came, was that real authentic Filipino food? Or is real authentic Filipino food what exists in the Philippines now after the Spanish and also with like the hot dog brought by GIs, like what sure. what is authentic food mean? In Mexico, you can ask the same question. In in Thailand, you could ask the same question. Sure. Before the chili was brought over, was that Thai food or was it is it Thai food now? And what will Thai food be in forty years? Is that going to be authentic Thai food? Totally. But I think in food, it's a huge thing holding something sacred, holding a certain form of something sacred. Like, oh, you know, we would never put that ingredient in that sauce in this region in Italy. Right. So do you do you guys think that there is there are sacred things in food or is it just what what's authentic to you? No, it's what tastes good. Right. So, I mean, straight up like authentic. I love when those dudes like my business partner, David Masoni, he's 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 half Irish, half Irish, half Italian. But, you know, when you get him in the kitchen, man, he's the most Italian dude you've ever met. <laughs> you know, he stays true to it. Like, so I made alla matriciana at the restaurant, Bucatini alla matriciana. And it's guanciale, chili flakes, red onion, garlic. It's really simple, a basic tomato sauce. And then your bucatini finished with typically pecorino. And um, I used bacon. I'm like, yo, I, like, I, I like pancetta, but why the fuck would you use pancetta if you could have bacon? It's smoky. <laughs> it's, like, so much better. And they're like, oh, it's just traditional. And he, like, totally was like, this is, mm. It's just not done. He, was, he put his head down. He didn't want to talk about it. I splashed it with white wine. I was just making food. I was like, yo, this is going to taste good. And right. I cooked it up, put it in a bowl, sure. and then he's like, next thing you know, like, half the bowl's gone. <laughs> he's, like, well, I really doubt- he's like, I really doubted that you were. Like, Come on, man. Seriously, dude. Once you know how to cook, you know how to cook. Yeah. And making food taste good is my only priority. That's it. It's my only priority. Authenticity for me is right out the window. Once I learn how to cook, I don't know. It's like a ch- it's like a chair or something. Like building a chair. Are there any rules in building a chair except for you have to sit in it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my only. Like it could look yeah. crazy. It could be made with whatever ingredients, yeah. whatever materials. I don't. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. My world is good food, bad food. Good cook, bad cook. That's it. And all of this, it had to come through in the cookbook, but it had to come through to JJ. For- 
You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. First. Do you remember what it was like when he first explained his vision? I remember the early meeting. It was like a matchmaker situation. Yeah, it was like Tinder. It was like <laughs> someone. Did you swipe right no, on two JJ? People, no, two people swiped right for us. <laughs> yes, they put us. They swiped yeah. right for us. Someone was like, "You should meet Dan." It was, was more like, like Grinder. Actually, it was Grinder. <laughs> it was like Grinder. It's it like an arranged marriage. On yes, yes. And I was like, I don't know. I was like. All he wants to do is probably be on TV, and he just wants to like have his his face on a book, like smiling with like a bowl of pasta or something like that. Is that the next book? And then you'll yeah. be smiling with pizza sandwiches but on the naked. cover, sure, naked. but nude. <laughs> no, actually, the next, the, co- the next book cover is we're gonna we're gonna re- replicate the Mariah Carey Christmas cover <laughs> oh my God. album, except nude with the cookbook on it. <laughs> so you, that's like the most popular album. Dropping twenty seventeen. Yes, this is. I mean, this is basically what happened when we met. <laughs> Like the, our first three meetings, we just didn't talk about anything book related, right? We talked about mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know. We f- I feel like we're from the same place in a way. I mean, I'm from Jersey, he's from Chicago, but you know, culturally, I, I think we that was the most important thing that we vibed culturally. Right. So like our references were similar. Yeah, that I could spit out a, a hip hop verse and he would like he would know what the fuck we're talking about. Right. You know, I could talk about a McRib. He wouldn't shun it. Right. I, I do want to say, though, as you're telling the story, you're very much telling it together, which is just so perfect. Finishing each other's sentence. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I mean, I know that feeling, too. I mean, Dale, so Dale grew up kind of not being allowed to eat that food, although, of course, you figured out ways to eat it. And, my, you know, my dad was like, oh, McDonald's, that's that's bad for you. And I also know, like, know the feeling of, like, going to the drive through window and it, it being, like, special, even though now it doesn't seem like it's special because you can get it everywhere. But back then, it's like, you don't have much money and and here's this experience, like, your parents don't want you to have. It's like the thrill of the forbidden, which is kind of, you know, uh, so Dale grew up eating, like, you know, synagogue, like mm-hmm. sour fish head soup mm-hmm. and shrimp paste this and... And fried milk fish. And what is it called? Chocolate meat. Chocolate meat. Dinner <laughs> yeah. Can you explain that really quickly, just for people chocolate who don't meat? Know? Is, it's it's a form of an adobo. So in the Philippines, like because like, it's so goddamn hot there, everything has to be there has to be a way of preservation. So th- it's a form of adobo, which means cooked in vinegar. It's like a pickle, but they do this with pork, a lot of organ meats, typically tripe and liver, ears, snouts. All the parts. All the parts. And then it's, uh, so it gets cooked. It's kind of spicy, so it gets cooked with a lot of ginger, onions, garlic, black pepper, bay leaf, when everything starts, cooked in vinegar, and it gets finished with pork blood, with pork blood. So it turns jet black. So when you're a kid, you're like, uh, I don't know what this is. And they're like, oh, chocolate meat. And you're like, uh, okay, chocolate. Mm-hmm. I'll eat I'll it. Try that. And then like my parents would keep on calling it that. I'm like, this is bullshit. This is not chocolate. And I don't, you don't I was like, you don't even need to call it that for me to eat this. I'm down. I like this. Like this tastes good to me. I'm like my my brother and sister were like, I'm not eating that. And I'm like, I love this. That's what chocolate meat is. And all most Filipino kids, my generation, most of them, yeah, that should be the name of the next book, dude. Chocolate, chocolate meat. <laughs> pizza sandwich first though. Yeah, pizza sandwich. Don't go back on your promise. But 
that's how you get the kids to eat that. And then and then he, you know, you wanted like you, they would, he always told you always told me this story about like passing by when he driving through Chicago, passing by this one McDonald's, which had like a ball pit. Had a playland, you know, the, McDonald's, oh, the creepy yeah. McDonald's playland in it. Oh, yeah. He would talk like wistfully of going past this place. Like, like I might have been like, and there was this taqueria run by this woman. And I never got to go. And like like a tear welling up in my eyes. And he would talk this way about this <laughs> McDonald's. like, And they would drive by and I'd be like, Mom, can we stop? And she's like, no, you can't stop at the McDonald's. So, like, it became this this thing. Like, you really want to try and at some point his dad would start like not taking him did your dad take him to McDonald's or just like those other places he was the only one we could convince to do that because I think he was just so tired of hearing it he was like fuck it I'm just going to take him there and you know zone off into my own world and get a black coffee and let these kids eat crappy (laughs) food and jump in this you know lice infested ball pit (laughs) slide down this slide that someone peed on like an hour ago did your mom know probably not but then his dad would also take him to like his dad fixed what was it, industrial boilers, like giant. Yeah, he boilers. was a boilermaker, so he's a trades. He was a tradesman, and all his like the people who worked with him were like, you know, recent immigrants, also like blue collar, Polish, dudes. Mexican, Puerto Rican, a lot of Polish dudes, um, but all laborers that, that if you want to know where good food is, you could ask construction workers straight up. <laughs> that if if you know, that's when you know some place is good. So there's a bunch of construction workers there. You know the place is good. Because they're the guys who have to be in the neighborhood for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. and they got to eat like you know if they're not eating food from their home, like they build something or they fix something and then they're out. But in that period of time, they're finding like well you know they're finding the ins and outs right. of the neighborhood. Yeah. Finally, his dad would take him to like his dad. Your dad took you to that taco place in the yeah. back, of the butcher shop, and Polish places and this burger place, and and basically Dale. So cause since he like was raised on Filipino food and that was like the only thing he was allowed to eat. Almost everything else, everything that wasn't Filipino seemed American to him. So he was eating like a real taco, which to me is like 100% Mexican, mm-hmm. just happened to be eating it here. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is American food to me. He's eating like a gyro, gyro. Gyro. And he's like, this is American because it's not Filipino. And that created this like weird borderless, this weird borderless cuisine where like you're mixing stuff that should never be mixed except when you do it tastes really good we do a Vietnamese style lamb shawarma and I don't even know those two places couldn't be more different right couldn't be more different but we slow roast this lamb shoulder takes like two days to cook and clean we warm it up we put it with a white sauce a hot sauce straight up you know an eggplant relish that has like the eggplant relish. Fish sauce and stuff. Fish sauce in it, and then we serve it with bao buns. People make their own little bao buns. And it's, it's very delicious. Confusing. And that's your Delicious, role. but it's kind of like my riff on a gyro. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like I'm sh- I'm sure goat and lamb gets eaten in Vietnam. I'm not sure in this technique. Yeah. And the the technique we use to cook it is like a slow American barbecue. With so Vietnamese spices? Or with no? v- yeah. So we take everything that's in pho, Vietnamese coriander, mm-hmm. charred onion, charred garlic, charred um, ginger, cinnamon, black peppercorns, cloves, darnies. We grind it up into a paste, and we just wow. rub the whole lamb shoulder with it. I mean, those are a lot of... So there's shawarma. There's, there's like, yudo in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's, like, Vietnam. There's bao buns. Like, there's a Chinese lot of things one, yeah. going on. There's a lot of stuff. And, and, it, and it makes sense because yeah. it's, in the end, it's, like, delicious meat and doughy stuff and vegetable <laughs> stuff. And everything like, that you want. It just works. Yeah, sandwichy stuff. So, like, for me, it's... It, now, if you were to tell people where... They'd be like, they would think that's weird. But you just got to be able to, like, you know, 
kind of sift through all that and just tell them. So it's a Vietnamese style lamb shoulder with bao buns and white sauce and red sauce. Just eat it. Just eat it. Just at the end of the day, just eat it. Dale doesn't mind the word fusion like many chefs do. And that makes sense. His book is full of cross-cultural recipes like that lamb shawarma and kung pao chicken wings and his take on hot pockets made with roti. As long as the food is good and there's something behind it, he doesn't see a negative in the term. There's a thing. Fusion works if there's a point of view, right, if it's real. Like I'm, like I'm a Filipino-American, you know, raised in Chicago, living in Brooklyn. There's a point of view there that I try to, try to own, you know, Russian, Russian Jew. Racist. I'm not Russian. Yeah, you know? Russian. Uh, Ukrainian, Polish. Ukrainian, Polish Jew <laughs> from Bergen County, yeah, from Jersey. Jersey, now living in Brooklyn. There's right. a point of view there. Right. A definite point of view there. When it gets low, when, it, that, when fusion gets really fucked up, when it's like, when it's like the, the Chinese dude that owns a sushi restaurant that's also doing sushi and Thai food because he wants to appeal to more people. And he blends those two together. And that's like, that's, that sucks. That's garbage. <laughs> right. Or it's like the French chef who has an Asian fetish and is all of a sudden starting <laughs> putting yuzu and like right. kojujan and like... Went on a vacation for like two vacation, days in, yeah. in Korea. And, and like, like loves like Asian chicks and now is starting to use, you know, Asian ingredients in his food and there's no point of reference to it. Right. He's still making a demi, a demi glass, searing a piece of beef. Right. And then all of a sudden he put like lemongrass and kojujan in it right. and thinks it's Asian. And you're like, dude, that's, that sucks. So <laughs> that's when I think fusion really gets... But, like, if that sucks, and then if that sucks, then I suck. The point of reference to Dale's brand of fusion is everywhere in his recipes. He didn't just go to Thailand for two days and discover that he should be putting lemongrass in all his food. But there's a different message in the photos. The photo is him in a fur coat, Jesus piece, two beautiful women in bikinis in his prep kitchen. There's also him sitting in a parking lot, feeding ramen and steam buns to the same women who, at this point, are wearing only slightly more clothes, and a lobster wearing a gold chain, and Dale's grimacing face while he's getting burrito tattooed across his chest. There are small cartoon cats introducing chapter interludes titled things like Get Lazy and MSG. And yet, there's a point. So, like, let's talk, let's talk about that. You, JJ, we were talking about that a little bit before, and you said you were worried that people wouldn't get the joke. It's scary because you can't explain a joke in a book or anywhere because as soon as you explain a joke it's really not funny. Yeah. There was a thought process that went into it and it was it was a careful decision. It's kind of a comment on success in the age of the celebrity chef. The photo is him in a fur coat, Jesus piece, two beautiful women in bikinis in his prep kitchen. There might be a piece of lettuce on the floor. There's it's like map people basement. still working. Yeah. Like the map people are just doing their thing. Prepping out lemongrass, so there's a woman there rolling dumplings, and this is this is this that juxtaposition I think says a lot about you know as soon as a chef is on TV, they have a book, they have a couple of successful restaurants. People are like, wow, they must be rolling in money. I mean, on TV, and the reality is, you're spending a lot of time in like a basement prep kitchen, don't have a ton of money. It's just it's just it's it's funny that people think chefs are in a glamorous and Super yeah, happy it's that hood rich. Position. It's that hood rich. It's that, <laughs> it's that real hood rich kind of persona. And we, so, I mean, too, I'm, I'm going to pretend like that's exactly what we we're going for. Like when I was, I told JJ when I was, oh yeah, like 22 years old, I wanted. I was like, man, if I want to be food and wine, best new chef. We we're like 20. It's like a bunch of us uh, kitchen rats that were all like working at Vong, 
and it was t- such a good crew of guys that were working there. And I was the worst cook out of all of them. Like 22 years old, <laughs> smoking weed every day, walking into work, br- never set up. Like always just, I was just the worst cook. Like on a, the same station for like a year. But we would leave there, go get beers across the street, and we'd just be talking mad shit. I'm like, yo, man, I'm going to get Food & Wine Best New Chef. And when I do, I don't even want to be on the cover with all the other chefs. I want my own centerpiece. I want my own like fold out on the second page. And I'm gonna be on a. I'm gonna have a fur coat on. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have two girls next to me. Of like maybe a pit bull on a chain. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have food and wine. Best new chef on a link like this big. <laughs> I want it to look like this cover of Vibe or Source magazine. Right. And those are like a dream. Yeah. That was like yeah. that was it. Well, and those I'm, are the emblems of success when you grow up listening to like Biggie yeah. and Jay and yeah, yeah, yeah. After the conscious hip hop that you know. Because I grew up with the conscious hip-hop, and then I was just like, uh, it all kind of died out, and no one was rapping anymore. No Money Cash Hose was, like, the only thing that everyone was talking about. So that ends up becoming, like, this model of success. And yeah. I guess we're playing on it. And, uh, you know, it was just something I'd always wanted to do. And The photographer's name is Will Hereford, and he's really, really awesome, awesome guy, awesome photographer. Amazing person. I mean, one of the coolest... One of the coolest dudes that I know. So we had a vision, sort of a vision for the book, for the look of the book. One of the ideas, as Dale said, everything should look a little gross. I think at some point yep. that was one of the that was one of the mandates. But just being like me, Dale, and Will there and having fun and being silly, that was how a lot of the photos got. Did you come in the up book. with a, the vision for everything looking a little gross together? Or was it something that you came in with and you knew you wanted a certain look? What's funny is is if you look at the first picture we took for the actual session it was a very composed dish and it's in the book right now it's the kale salad yeah it's super ultra kind of fitting that it's a kale salad huh yes so it's (laughs) ultra super composed it was tweezered the fuck out like all my chefs were like putting things here and there and it was super clean and then when i and and it was like oh yeah it's a good looking good looking picture i looked at i was like this is not the direction of the book right i was like that is complete that is not going to be the direction of this book and it made the cut and I think it's almost so. It's funny that, like you said, it's the kale salad. Yeah. And it's like the redheaded stepchild of the entire book because nothing else in that <laughs> book is healthy at all. Yeah. That's the only thing that you could be like, oh, you know, that's kind of healthy. When you eat that. <laughs> and the only other, the only other recipe in the book that was tweezered when it was plated was the nachos. Was nachos. Because because Dale was like, <laughs> oh, awesome. this is really funny. Like we were tweezering the kale salad. Like, yeah. imagine if somebody were to. Yeah. Get like really finicky about plating totally. nachos. But that's the idea of our nachos is that oftentimes it's like this dish that someone just throws together, right? It's like whatever, it's just nachos. But to us it's like there's a there's so much beauty in like the perfect plate of nachos. It's like the amount of sauce, the right amount of cheese, the, you know. The like what is it? The layering of the, the layering. chip like do not do like a stack of chips. If you do a stack no. of chips, the poor chips underneath get they nothing. They get no love. It's such a no. Yeah. Waste. No, they deserve to be tweezered. So we have like these school trays, these school lunch trays. And we always, and even at the restaurants, we plate them on. The, so it's about surface area. So it's not like really crazy high, but it's just really spread out. So yeah. every chip gets a little something, something. I actually think that's the best way to do mac and cheese too, because you get just the crispy top. Oh. And that's an Amanda Hesser thing. I can't take credit for that, but it's Ooh, like that's that. a genius, brilliant. Because everybody wants the corners that's and the a tops. Genius recipe. Did you guys ever get any publisher pushback from you know women in bikinis and so that one? I wanted that to be the cover. Oh, did but you? They were not gonna let us do do that. I was like, "Can I be the back?" And they're like, "No." 
they were pretty they were pretty good otherwise the I otherwise mean, there was were... very little mm-hmm. i was like are you guys sure <laughs> i mean i was advocating for it all but i was like wait are you, are you sure yeah i was just like you know this is the, this is the way this is the way i wanted to be but even the cover even the cover itself is like it's not polished cover i mean it's a beautiful it's a really cool photo and it's really striking i think but it's like not what you think about when you think about the cover of a cookbook i mean there are these to think i'm thinking about like the alex stupak's new book about tacos yeah it's mm-hmm. just a taco it's a tor- it's a like tortilla. a tort it's like stark gray background with a tortilla Beautiful. it's gore- it's stunning it's gorgeous but dales is like him with jordans on and an apron eating like out of a takeout container and looking kind of like like a little like a little, a little a little bothered. Like the Chinese food, like the Chinese food took too long. <laughs> like the dude yeah. took too long. Like seamless told me it was thirty minutes. What the fuck? It's like fifty minutes. <laughs> it was just fun. We we were having fun. We we're having fun, and and I think that comes through. Yeah, and there are so many more photos than than just the naked girl ones. There are you like destroying a salmon sandwich with like sauce running down your face, and they they all have that same feel, right? Re- whether or not they're they're full of naked people. <laughs> it's food, right? It's yeah. food. It's food is fun. Food. Travels through your d- and goes out your. D- Somewhere, I mean, what was the guy? The guy from Joe Beef said that. Right, it's a step away from being shit. Right. So and he well, why take it so seriously? The one photo Dale didn't get in the book that he really wanted to, just because we couldn't find a place for it, because we we wanted there were other photos we wanted instead. Was the one of you eating hot pockets, looking kind of guilty? Oh, yeah. And in the background, you can kind of see like half see the sign on the door and back of him that says restroom. <laughs> Like just a little nod to that idea. Like you're eating gross food. Like it's delicious. You know, it's yeah. a it's a it's basically a hot pocket. Yeah, like Dale's yeah, version of a hot pocket. pocket. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very warm, warm pocket. pocket. Yeah. Trademark. It's, it's gonna it's gonna run right through you. Yeah. Are you gonna save that for the pizza book? The pizza sandwich book. Maybe yeah. pizza sandwich book. Right? But the recipe is in the in the in the book, yeah. and it's really good. Yeah. And you can't. The, uh, there, was, my, there was fine. There was moments where I would be cooking these things, and I would make them for him. And they weren't on the normal menu because he'd come in and eat it at the restaurant a couple times. And he would eat these. I was like, yo, you want to try it now? And so he'd eat it. And he'd, be like, and he'd keep on eating it. He's like, this is really... I go, are you just hungry or is it? Are you, do you really think it's good? He goes, this is really good. I go, what the fuck did you think I was going to do? You like, I was going to make crappy food for this thing? <laughs> well, when you said it was a... He, so it's a, it's, a, it's a hot pocket. It's yep. a recreation of a hot pocket. With roti, right? With roti. Yeah. With frozen roti, prata. And he specifically says in the recipe, do not get mozzarella for the for the interior from Don't a place get, yeah where they say mozzarella like mozzarella the if buffalo, you, yeah the <laughs> buff, if you're if you hear that you're in the wrong place shitty shredded mozz or like yeah. polio the, the polio shredded like the mozzarella polio. something like that's kind of squeaky right. and melts in the right way yeah you know and like hormel i don't think we put this in the book but like that's I think we use like use. straight up hormel pepperoni yeah. like yeah. don't try to elevate something that shouldn't be do not get rid or, of the nitrates can, or you can but def, but you know, fresh but fresh buffalo mozzarella is like such a waste. It has so much more water or milk in it still mm-hmm. than the semi-dried kind of you know sliced pizzeria joint stuff. Like right. that stuff is like what you need. It's drier. It'll it'll, it'll melt better. Yeah. Right. And you're wasting your yeah. You're wasting your money if you're buying that more. and then covering it with Hormel pepperoni and stuffing it inside a roti and bake it like. Totally. Yeah. There's it. There's there's a beauty in that honesty kind of. Yeah. Hundred percent. And yeah. like understanding that like. The cheese, I, I don't know, the cheese I want on a burger, and and it's it's amazing to hear this, like, confirmed by someone who is, like, French-trained and has worked in a million restaurants mm-hmm. and has really good taste in food. But I'll be like, oh, I have, like, uh, like guilty. I uh, like uh, American cheese on my hamburger. 
like do you like American cheese on your hamburger? It's the only thing we put on our burgers. I love American cheese on my burger. Nothing else you melts own, like American own cheese. That. Yeah, yeah, own it. Yeah, own that. More importantly, nothing not even melts. Nothing has this. It, nothing has that weird salinity that it that it has. If your book had a soundtrack, what album would it be? Oh man, oof, it's a good one. I mean, this is probably one of my one of my favorite. Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. It's the Wu. It would be early Wu Tang. Enter Thirty Six. Because this is like yo, you just entered it. <laughs> Whoa! What did I get myself into? <laughs> I, I, I guess that would kind of be it's because and it's so like it's it's hitting from so many different places. You know, I really feel like the group of people that we put together on this the project, yeah, on the project, wow, would be the woo, wow. You know? I, I do. I, I really feel like who am I? I'm Jizza. Yeah, you're the producer. I'm Jizza. You're Jizza, so you got to be the producer. <laughs> but that would be Rizza. Oh, well, you're Rizza then. I just wanted to be the genius. Well, you got to be Jizza the producer. The so Will prison. Will's who's who's a who's a pretty one, Ghostface. Ghostface. Yeah, that's gotta Will be Harrisford. Oh, <laughs> good looking dude. You want to spit a few <laughs> verses for us? Oh fuck no! <laughs> this is a long gone. Me trying to me trying to rhyme. Long gone. <laughs> I mean, you walked in here so confident with the mic checks. I thought maybe. Oh yeah, no. If you promised never to put it on the. Oh, well, thing, she I swears. I she swears. <laughs> I promise. You can. Oh my god! Of course I can. Oh my gosh. JJ's better than me. When the mics go off, I'll do it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. <laughs> thank, thank you. It was fun. Very fun. Dale and JJ's book, Asian American, went on sale last week. And that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Our producer is Tim Einenkel, and thanks also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter address is at food52, and you can email us at editors at food52.com. If you like the show, tell everyone you know, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you have any comments or questions about fusion or feelings about cookbook design, we want to know about them. So tweet them and hashtag them with F52Podcast. For Dale Talday and JJ Good, I'm Kenzie Wilbur. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Kenzie, it was fun. <laughs> uh, was it too much fun, though? No, this, this is great.